Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A mix of unbridled joy and verite realism. A Poem is a Naked Person presents the beloved singer, songwriter, and rock and roll Hall of Famer Leon Russell as filmed by documentarian Les Blank between 1972 and 1974. Blank's camera lets us into the world of Russell and his friends and fellow artists in and around his recording studio in Northeast Oklahoma, capturing intimate off the cuff moments, combining them with a mesmerizing scenes of Russell and his band performing live. This singular film about an artist in a community never got an official theatrical release and has, has attained legendary status. Now, more than 40 years later, it can finally be seen and heard in all of its rough beauty. Boy, is that true. That is all true, folks. We're joined today by the son of Les Blank and also the man who, executive producer and the man who really made this all happen. That would be Herod Blank. Herod, welcome to Film School. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, a poem is a naked person. Where is the title from? Well, the title actually comes via Bob Dylan, and I'm not exactly how Leon Russell discovered it, but Leon either saw it in some liner notes or in a poem or something, but he's the one that approached uh, Les and Maureen one day and said, I have your title, yeah. and they he presented it, and that, and that was it. And at that time... Pretty much what Leon wanted was what uh, you know what was going to happen. So uh, the the title stuck, and uh, I think it's an appropriate title because you know Leon is the naked person. Yeah, and he doesn't he 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 re- a lot is revealed about him in the film, but it's not like he uh, you know comes forth and reveals a, a lot about himself. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And Leon Russell, let's, for our audience, this is obviously we're speaking to you in the year 2015, and 1974 was, in fact, 40-some years ago. So there are people who may know who Leon Russell is, but let's kind of review a little bit about uh, the history of Leon Russell. And I do know a little bit, so in case you you don't know much, uh, I can certainly follow on. So uh, go ahead. Uh, well... I could take you all the way back to when I was there, which was, uh, I was either nine or ten years old. Les had brought my brother Bo and I to the lakefront property for a visit in the summer. So this and is 74, give or take? 73? Yeah, 70? it would be no, 72 or 73. I okay. think it might have been 72 because yeah. I never did see Leon when I was there. Hmm. And Les was doing a lot of swimming and hiking and catfishing. <laughs> And I don't really remember him actually filming or editing, so it might have been a down period. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it was probably early on. You know, Les, uh, to back up for, for what who Leon Russell was, none of us knew. I didn't know, Les didn't know, and Maureen didn't know when they were asked to do this documentary way back. Um, and then they, they gradually got to know him. And same with me. I, I didn't know who he was. And when I went there, I started seeing all the shelter records, paraphernalia, the, the, the egg with the Superman logo in it, which I thought was so cool yeah. as a 10-year-old boy. And I started sticking that, that logo on my notebooks. 
um, started following the other albums in, in the Shelter Records catalog. Like, I remember um, just playing these, these albums way back then. And Leon was, he was really heading towards major stardom at that point. And I started idolizing him as, as a boy and started doing drawings of him and um, Sharpie pen ink drawings. And, and in fact, uh, 40 years later, I found one of these things. And it was really primitive, but it was colorful. I was realistically kind of looking for a kid's drawing. And I sent that to Leon mm-hmm. with my initial second initial um reaching out to him and i think that's really what kind of opened the door a hair was that uh, leon might have been you know a little moved by that i don't know well let me let me for our audience i am of a of, I, I am a leon russell fan one of the reasons one of the many reasons that i was attracted uh to seeing this film was that being a, a leon russell fan and i could tell you he goes back to a legendary rock and roll tour, which was done by Joe Cocker, that was turned into a feature-length uh, documentary called uh, uh, Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Pardon me, Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And Leon Russell, wh- when you watch that film, you can tell that in many, many ways, it was really Leon Russell who was who was in control, in command of what was going on. Uh, and that Joe Cocker was the singer in his band, but for a lot of reasons, Joe Cocker was, in fact, the headliner. And from there, he was a legendary uh, session player before he became part of uh, the Mad Dogs and Englishmen tour. In fact, was part of the Los Angeles-based Wrecking Crew, which is responsible for hundreds of hit songs. Uh, And Leon was one of those session people who would drop in now and then. He wasn't a core member, but he he played with Frank Sinatra. He played with uh, Willie Nelson. He played with a whole bunch of people as a session player. And eventually, once Mad Dogs and Englishmen became a huge hit, and Joe Cocker as well became a big, a big star, Leon then started to branch out into to doing his own work. And that's where one of the best albums I possess is uh, Leon Russell and the Shelter People. I think that's one of the f- best records of that era. Uh, so from there, he continued this long career, a long and uh, very, very uh, successful career, and is even performing to this day. Last couple years ago, he did an album with uh, Elton John that became, a, 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 I'd say, a hit of sorts. Uh, so he's re- remained relatively relevant uh, for, for 40 years, and he's, uh, he's a fantastic musician. That, that would be my encapsulated version of Leon Russell. How does that square with what you know, Herod? I would say uh, all of that is pretty, pretty accurate, but there's also this, um, this charisma about him yeah. that um, we were talking a little bit earlier that it's sort of uh, as if he transports people and his fellow band members into another place like uh almost a spiritual place of of nirvana or something right and if you look at the audience's reactions while they're listening to the music it's not just clap 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 yeah 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 it's like their eyes are closed some of them and they're shaking their heads along with the music but they're having an experience that's pretty deep yeah yeah, I think that goes a long ways. Uh, a, a lot of that is due to the fact that Leon Russell was born in Oklahoma, raised, I, I understand, in Oklahoma, and was seems to have immersed himself in the music of the black churches 
uh, because he was surrounded by musicians and singers, African-American singers, and his music, especially in concert, I happen to have seen him in concert, uh, I think three times, and every time he brought it. He brought it every time, and th- in that same sort of even almost evangelical musical v- uh, vibe that came with a rock and roll bent. You know, he wasn't really that far removed from Little Richard. His sound is very much rooted, as was Little Richard's, in that kind of gospel sound. And that's where you got that. I, I was in a, a crowd of, you know, 10,000 people doing what you're talking about, waving their hands and just into that music. And he did a fantastic job with it. He really did. Yeah, I would say that the, in the film captures that, actually. Yeah. You, the performances in the film are pretty riveting and um, uh, almost like um, a trance-like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, it almost as if Leon himself is almost entranced yeah. in parts of it. Well, let, okay, Logan, well, let's, um, by the way, I remind our listeners we're speaking with Herod Blank, and he is the executive producer of a film that was uh, originally filmed and directed and produced by his father, Les Blank, uh, who left us uh, about three years ago. Um, is that about right, Les? I mean, uh, April Her- 7th, 2013. Okay, so, uh, and a legendary filmmaker um, responsible for a lot, many, many different um, documentaries. He was really kind of a, a, a pioneer in what we would today call kind of first-person documentaries. Perhaps his best-known um, film would be Burden of Dreams, or the one about... Um, uh, Lightning Hopkins? Yeah, yeah, Lightning yeah, Hopkins. I think that's, the, the Lightning Hopkins film is really what um, got his career jump-started, because up to that time there really wasn't any movie like that. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe... Rumor has it that uh, Leon's co-producer on the film, Denny Cordell, is the one who saw that film and said, this is the guy we need to get for this movie. Other people say that they, Leon or Denny went to the AFI in Los Angeles and inquired who would make a good documentary for a film on Leon Russell, and the name Les Blank came up. But in any event, the, the Lightning Hopkins film, which is called The Blues According to Lightning Hopkins, is really what... Um, established Les's career around the, the world, and the Leon film is Les's first feature. Mm. The Lightning Hopkins film was 31 minutes, gotcha. and the Leon film, when it came out in 74, was 104 minutes, mm-hmm. which it got cut down to 90 over the course of his life. Right. So this, this film now is at 90 minutes, and it's, it's, it holds up very well yeah. uh, for the whole 90 minutes. It's tight. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful film. Uh, and Well, the one that he did uh, with Warner Herzog uh, when when Warner Herzog was directing Fitzcarraldo is called Burden of Dreams, and it's that amazing documentary about the making of this crazy film that uh, Warner Herzog, well, he was renowned for being a bit off the charts. So that I want to bring that up about your dad. I want to talk a little bit about your father in terms of his filmmaking and what what subjects he was drawn to. Uh, was he drawn to do the Leon Russell documentary? Did he know much about him, as far as you know? Um, no, no, he didn't know who Leon Russell was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Les was a very big fan of Hank Will- Williams. So when um, when Leon covered some of those songs, 
less must have just ate it up. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, of Leon Russell and Leon Russell's periphery that attracted less a lot. So yeah. he, he, once he got into the, into the uh, guts of it, I'm sure, you know, the cameras are running. He was, he was having a great time with that. Les was attracted to strong personalities as well. You could you could almost see some parallels between Leon Russell and Werner Herzog. The main thing being that they're very um, strong-willed and passionate about what they're creating. I mean, a, a lot. And and there's other characters in Les's films that share that as well. Yeah. The maestro, the cowboy artist, um, yeah. the David Hoffman, the tea, Chinese tea importer. These are very strong characters that really believe in what they're doing. And, and Les then captures them, observes them, and tries to relay, uh, relay that to the audience. He doesn't really ask them point blank. Um, he, he, did, he did get some great monologues from Werner Herzog yeah. about his, uh, his struggle. But a lot of it is observational. With Leon, it was it was more observational. And in that vein, um, Leon Russell is he looks like a man of the era that he grew up that we see him in the the early seventies, late sixties, early seventies. Uh, he has the long hair. Uh, he I would call him quietly charismatic. He's not a very uh, effusive person. But when you talk to him, this is what I really found fascinating about the film. When those conversations that we're either eavesdropping on or actually Leon's talking to, it appears to, to your dad, you can see how intelligent a man he is in, very quickly. And he speaks very directly when he talks to people. He, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't use a lot of peripheral words to describe how he's feeling or what he wants. Uh, and I think that commanding per uh, persona that Leon Russell possesses is one of the reasons why you see so many people that are attracted in almost, and I hate to use this word, but it's almost a cult-like sense of the people who are around him and who feel very passionately about him. That's a great description. I'd, I'd have to say uh, I agree with you. There are some similarities between Leon and Les as well. Mm. They're both men of very few words. They both have strong personalities, and they've been known to be said that they're intimidating. Like, some people felt that, that Les didn't like them, but in reality, Les wasn't... Um, he just he didn't do small talk. He, he didn't go there, so people could misinterpret that he didn't like them, when in reality, he was, he was probably feeling uncomfortable, because socially he was a little bit inept. Mm-hmm. Leon, I think, is also a man of few words, and he, he can come across pretty intimidating as well. And I've come to find him to be, uh, as you say, very intelligent and, and very witty, too. He's extremely witty yeah. and fast with his wit. I, I didn't, that doesn't come across in the film as much, but in, re- in real life, that's what I'm finding out. I mean, it, isn't it odd that here's a film that wasn't released and Leon didn't want to have anything to do with it, sort of washed his hands of it. Les had it in some cardboard boxes, whatever he had of it. They're just sitting there getting dusty. And 40 years later, this film gets put back together and remastered and 
all the legal hassles and stuff got resolved. And now I'm going on tour with Leon Russell and the movie. <laughs> you know how weird this is? Oh, that's fantastic. It's well... absolutely befuddling. And it to me, it's almost like Leon is like opening up like a flower. Yeah. Um, he just seems to be warming up to this more and more and more and finding that the, the love and the attention that he's getting and, and true respect yeah. is, is profound. And I think that it's just going to keep going because he's, he's amazing. And the film is amazing. Yeah. And, and seeing him in person with this movie to me is, it's, it's not him in concert, but it's, it's him in real life with this amazing creation. And I just, it, it, I wouldn't miss it myself. Yeah. You know, you know, Harry, the, one of the funny things about this is, I have a couple of observations about the film. One is that it's gained a lot of cachet based on the fact that we couldn't see it. It was seen in, it's been seen here and there. You're, it could only be screened when your dad was in attendance. I know there were some legal kind of things. It was sort of, it would poke its head up now and then. And it's being compared to, you know, Don't Look Back and many of the, uh, most renowned rock and roll documentaries of all time. Uh, and so there's that, and, and the fact that it hasn't been available to the public and, and, and such. And the other thing about Leon Russell, I want to say just the one last thing about his career, is that for people on the sort of the music industry, people in the know, he is revered for all the right reasons. He's a musician, he's he's an accomplished artist in his own right, uh, as a support musician, he has his own career in that as well. Uh, and so people in the know, it, it's kind of easy to forget him as kind of a bit player from that era because he didn't have what you would call a huge hit record. But the reason he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is for the body of work that he that he produced. And he's no for the people who really know, he's he has this kind of cachet and, and attention. And it's it's great. It's just so good because I, I I always liked him. Not only just as an artist, but I always liked him when I saw him. So I, I'm just thrilled for him and for you and for your family and for the for the legacy of your father. I think this is wonderful. I really do. Thank you. Uh, George Jones and Willie Nelson make some appearances in here. And that's another thing I want to point out as well. Just hearing George Jones sing, which I'm not a big country western fan or country music fan. I know of George Jones as one of the premier singers of that genre. He sounds fantastic in this movie, and just in the little bit he's in it. Uh, Willie Nelson sounds great, looks different, but he sounds real strong in this uh, in this movie. Did you putting this? You know, you you're really the driving force behind this. You put this together. You brought all these pieces together, and for that, you deserve a tremendous amount of credit. When you're watching this for the first time in how many years? I don't know what it was. What was your sense when you were watching this for the first time? And after all that time, well, you got to remember, I I saw this film periodically growing up. Okay. In uh, generally in Les's uh, office in El Cerrito, California, above Arhuli Records. He would project it every now and then, like maybe every three to five years, and have some people over, and we'd, we'd have some beer and wine and some snacks or pizza or whatever. And it was always um, an incredible experience. And so I already knew the film. In fact, the reason why I went so far as to dedicate two years of my life to this was that 
regardless of whose work it is, that is my father, and I, I missed him, and I do this for him. But beyond that, it's an incredible film. It's like, it, it is a work. And for me, I'm dedicated, I've dedicated part of my life to saving this work, first of all, and then getting it, the legal stuff worked out so that it can be shown. And the third part of this puzzle is the release, is getting Criterion and Janus films on board to get this thing out to the world. So those three things had to happen for, for, for us to be able to see it in a theater. And then to have Leon uh, yeah. slowly come aboard and now going on tour with the film for Five Cities, it, it's just amazing. Yeah. Okay, so... Um I we've we've been talking a lot about the music and and the career of Leon Russell, but one of the really, in some ways, some of the most interesting things in the film is all of the uh, milieu, if you will, that surrounded Leon Russell's life as a musician, all the people involved. But it's not just that; it's there's that, but there's also your 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 dad brought in a lot of ambiance. Uh, to this film with the people that live, you know, in the uh, vicinity of the recording studio in Oklahoma, on tour. Obviously, you had sort of the groupie contingent. There was a lot of that, the kind of rock and rollers who were sort of would bounce in and out of of uh, Leon's life. But it's all that other stuff. It's all the it's all that that really kicks this thing into what I consider to be another level altogether. Yeah, it becomes it becomes like looking through a kaleidoscope, and you see all these different colors that make up the image, make up the work, and the periphery of of Leon Russell's world, the backdrop, yeah. also makes it that much more interesting. And and to see the the roots of where Leon came out of, the yeah. Oklahoma and the lake, and the nature and the people and the folk art, you know, it's, there's a lot of folky stuff like the the Native American totem pole, yeah. uh, the Jim Franklin, the, the painter. Yes. This is folk. It's folk art and it, funky. Yeah. There you go. This is a time capsule, but it's also a, it's sort of archival in, in the best sense, archaeological in the sense. Uh, yeah, well, this whole project archaeological. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's great. It's so much fun. It's so much. Uh, by the way, have you ever? Are you familiar with the uh, the legend? I saw it on Wikipedia, so it must be true. Uh, that the guy in the film, and I'm not going to give it too much away. The guy who drinks the beer at the parachuting con- um, exhibition. Do you know who I'm referring to? Right, the guy who, no, of who, course. who tells the joke. Of course you do. Um, is it true that this may be a legendary? guy is it is there any do we have any reason to believe and do you want to give away who who the legend has it that he is or not i i think we could the the fbi has actually reportedly found some of his dna near um the, some of the money that was found this, this guy db cooper um hijacked a plane with two hundred thousand dollars and jumped out of it and got away with it Legend has it that there's one of five people this could be, and one of those five people is in this movie. There you go. He he's a guy you'll you, when you see this film. He's the guy. He's drinking beer and describe describe well. He's describing a. It's essentially a joke about it. A guy who's going to jump out of an airplane as a, a parachute out of an airplane, and he tells the joke. And at the end of the joke, 
he he eats literally bites down on the glass that he's drinking out of and starts chewing on the glass and honest to god i started yelling when i saw him do that i but the legend is is that uh that that could be dv cooper <laughs> Uh, and, and, and you know that kind of just fits with this whole movie that exactly it's so, um, <laughs> got a lot of bizarre fact points related to it wow and in fact the whole release of the movie this 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 mystery that surrounded this project yeah um pretty well, pretty amazing there's a lot more to it than i than i even know you know there's there's also uh denny cordell who is leon's partner yeah. and what his involvement was, which I really, I have no idea. You know, I, did, I, don't, I don't know any of that stuff. The backstory to um, his and Leon's relationship. Uh, Has he ever stepped forward to talk about this? Well, no, he had passed away. But I mean, he, uh, okay, okay, I didn't know before that. Before I could, you know, had I, done, had I got to do this, you know, 20 years ago, like I tried, Yeah. Um, I tried to get a, a deal with Miramax, to intercut the poem film with a contemporary version of Leon Russell, who at the time was um, in a in a new band singing Christian songs, and I thought, well, I wonder if this movie had an effect on Leon, if it maybe yeah. made him look at himself in the mirror and go through some changes. As I posed that to Miramax, and they said, well, if you want to do the research and write a script and, and do this, we're interested. And I went told less. And he had a cow, and he said, "There's no way you're going to touch this film." Yeah. And and whenever I would bring up the film to him to try to help get it released, he would uh, have a fit, and he didn't want me to do anything. It would make his blood boil because he was so um, he was so hurt that the movie could never come out because for him this was his hidden masterpiece. Yeah. And uh, I just wish that I could have approached Leon. Back in the day, I, I bet you I, I could have struck a chord with him just as I have now because I, I'm i not emotional about the movie like Les was. Yeah. And I'm also willing to compromise and whatever I had to do to get this movie out there. Les wouldn't compromise. And Leon probably didn't really want to compromise, but um, I kept trying to work with him on it, and finally he... He came to agree. Uh, the other thing that's very strange about this story is that I was into art cars and doing movies and books on art cars. I, I became the expert on art cars. And my parents, less included, were like, when are you going to grow up and when are you going to start doing something else with your life besides these art car things? Well, as it turns out, back in 1993, my film Wild Wheels was broadcast as a national special on PBS. Well, it turns out that Leon Russell had seen this movie on PBS and never forgot it. And in fact, he just told the Rolling Stone like three days ago that it was one of his favorite movies of all time. Oh, my God. So, so <laughs> it, ironically, in this story, it turns out that art cars are what sort of helped make this whole thing come together. And it, here's another interesting tidbit. Art cars are in the Leon Russell film. It's the, the title sequence, if you remember, is on a car. Yes, yes. And I didn't really put all this together, but the other thing that I discovered later is that Jim Franklin, 
who's one of the artists in the, featured in the movie who does this psychedelic swimming pool to yeah. Leon's Acid Annapolis, which is a fantastic combination. Uh, he had done portraits of people on cars during that time. Oh, my God. And so there's, there's this strange art car connection, which um, it just kind of blows my mind. Well, wow, that is an amazing story. Uh, I've, last two questions for you before I let you go, and thank you for all the time you've given me here. Uh, first is, is that you, I got the impression, I think you mentioned it, Leon Russell's perception of the film was initially not very positive, but over time seems to have changed probably through the perception of time and place and, and all those things. Is that correct? How's he, how does Leon feel about the film now? Well, I think, like I said, he's he's warming up to it. Uh, Jonathan Demme, who did the uh, Q&A in uh, New York recently, a couple days ago in the film forum, he said to Leon on stage something to the effect that when a film is made about you, the first time you see it, you're just kind of taking it all in and you kind of see what you look like and you, you might be critical of how you look and all that. The second time you see it, you start seeing new things about it beyond your own part in the movie, and the third time you see it, you see it as an actual film. So I think now Leon is seeing this as an actual film. It's a, it's a work of art that he's a major part of, and maybe, you know, gradually the entire film will become celebrated in his mind, but I know for a fact that there's certain things in the film that still bother him and have always bothered him, and understandably... And as he said when he was interviewed early on about this at South by Southwest, he said, look, it's more a film about Les Blank than it is about Leon Russell. Hmm. And that's the sort of stuff that may have, you know, really kind of disturbed him back when, when it came out. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not uh, a good movie. Obviously, it, it's, it's resonating, but it, it, it would have taken a lot more for Leon to except that other land yap of weirdness that was not part of his, his uh, how he would have portrayed himself. You know, back then it was much more, it must, it must have been much more shocking for him, especially when he paid for the project. Mm -hmm. So I can see where, where things kind of got, went haywire on this, and I, I, I wish I could have helped on this project a lot earlier if Les would have let me. But we have what we have, and, and now it's it's to be so celebrated. I'm really glad that it, this can happen during Leon's lifetime and he gets to see see this thing blossom. I just think it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. It's things, you know, as you learn as you go through life, things are meant to happen sometimes at when they happen and not when you want them to, and that is, seems to be the case here. Uh, one last question in regard to the film and to your father, Les Blank. How is this, if uh, beginning to, is this the reaction of the film or the this coming out, is it uh, causing some more interest in your dad's work? Uh, is it prompting people to go back and look? Because he did a number of documentaries related to music. He did a lot on food, but he did a lot of music. How is it, is it beginning to, uh, you know, have people look at your dad's work in, in a different light? Or you know, it's funny because Les Blank is still not like a household name as far as a 
as an artist or filmmaker. I mean, a lot of people know, know of his work, but there's a lot of people that don't. And you could say the same for Leon Russell. Yeah. And yeah. I think that this film and coming out now is going to hopefully open up a lot of people's eyes to the incredible careers that each of these two men had over their life and that there's no one else like Leon Russell and there's no one else like Les Blank. And so hopefully this does encourage people to check out their other work and see their other movies and their other music and et cetera. I myself am going to be working on a documentary with Gina Leibrecht about Les Blank and I'm going to do a a biography book of some sort, and Leon is doing an autobiography right now. He, he is in the 80s of this, this book, and I'm telling you, I, I, I keep trying to encourage him because I just think it's, it's, it's going to be amazing because he has amazing stories. Yeah. But he's got to get them down in this book. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious about the backstory on on Leon and his life and, and this film project. Now, I know Les's side of things to a point, but I don't know much more than that, and I'm, I'm curious to know, as this unfolds, I think we will learn more about this backstory. Well, I think in the Q&As, you're going to find out more and more about it as well. Oh, so. Exactly, and we are. I'm learning something every time. That's why I can't wait for L.A., because I'm sure something's going to come up that we haven't heard yet. Yeah. Yeah, he he spent time in L.A. Like I said, he was in that wrecking crew, uh, that uh, sessions guys. I hope some of them come out to see this because. Oh, uh, I think they. I think there's rumor is that there's a lot of people that are coming to this. Yeah. That are in the industry. Yeah. Well, in the music, you know, that people have played. People that have played with Leon are coming to the show. Well, if nothing else, if it if it serves no other purpose than to be kind of a victory lap for uh, for Leon Russell, I think that's that's. Uh, That'll be a fantastic experience for all of you. Again, the film is A Poem is a Naked Person. It's a line from a Bob Dylan song and or a poem. We weren't quite, I think it's a song, but any, all, all that aside, uh, it's a, filmed and edited by Les Blank. Uh, the executive producer is Herod Blank, his son. Also, uh, when this thing will be available for um, general consumption, is do we have a date or a, or a platform which people will be able to see this? Well, I hear from uh, Janice Film, the Criterion, the distributors, that it may come out later this year as, a, as an online offering, or if not, it'll definitely be out on Blu-ray and DVD early to mid-next year, hopefully okay. earlier. Okay. And uh, so, and they, they do things... You know, they right? Yeah. So it'll it'll be a very nice um, whatever they create. It's going to be very nice. Very, yeah, you're absolutely right. Janice and Criterion; those are two of the premier uh, distributors. They know what they're doing, and they do it well. Exactly as you said. Well, thank you, Harrod Blank, so much for being here, and all the best in continuing to uh, go out and uh, let the world, forty years hence see a film uh, that is a remarkable document in so many ways and a celebration of one of the great uh, music artists of his time and continues to be so. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's great to see. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 